0: and welcome to Breakfast with Pella, Daniel, and the Working Class History book. My name is Pella,
1: And my name is Daniel. And we're a son and father who like to read working class history, everyday acts of resistance and rebellion, often together while we eat breakfast.
0: We usually start by one of us reading out the entries for that day and then asking each other questions and thinking about what those events mean to us today. We're often unfamiliar with the event or with the context but we're always in the conversation feeling a little bit wiser.
1: For the Anarchist Pedagogies Network Festival, School Revolt 2022, we thought we'd share some of those conversations with you. So hi, uh, today we are going to be talking about the entry for March eighteenth, and also today we have a special guest with us to talk about this particular entry, um, John from Working Class History. So yeah. John, welcome.
2: Hi, thanks very much for having me. Nice
1: to meet you both. It's wonderful that you could join us. We we'll really appreciate it, <laughs> and. Yeah. Uh, yeah, maybe you can fill us in on some of the gaps that we, about things here that we're uncertain about. We'd l- hmm. love to hear your, your, your views on this. So just uh, for everyone listening, today we're going to be doing things slightly different. It's a special episode, and we're going to be starting talking about the uh, two events for today in the Working Class History book. And then after that, we'll have a little conversation, discussion, maybe even interview
2: of, of, uh, of. <laughs>
1: with, with John from uh, the Working Class History Project. So, John, um, as our special guest, maybe you'd like to read the first entry then for today.
2: Cool. Sure. It's for it's for March the 18th, uh, both 1871 and 1911. Um, And so on this day, the Paris Commune, um, the first ever attempt at a working class uprising to create socialism was established. The workers of Paris joined by mutinous National Guardsmen seized the city and set about reorganizing society based on workers' councils. The communards were able to hold out until late May, 1871, when upon retaking the city, government troops massacred 30,000 workers in bloody revenge. Then on the same date in 1911, the 40th anniversary of the Paris Commune, the first International Women's Day was held in Europe to publicize the need for women's rights and suffrage. The date was later moved to March 8th.
1: Great. Yeah, thanks for reading yeah. it out. Do
2: you want to start? Do you, do you know the Paris
1: Commune, Pella? Uh,
0: I'm not so familiar, but it's it's kind when was it like um, uh, like made or began?
1: Uh, I mean, John, maybe you can comment on this. I mean, it's 1870,
2: 1871.
1: Yeah, and uh-huh. it lasts a relatively short time, just over two months, right?
0: Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, just two months.
1: Unfortunately, yeah. yes. So May, late May, eighteen seventy-one, right? Um, and ends in a well, as as John read out, like this kind of pretty bloody way. Lots of people were uh, were, uh,
2: were, were were killed. How many massacred. was it again? Well, estimated about thirty thousand.
0: Yeah. Wow, that's a lot across the whole country.
2: Pa- in Paris, Just in, in Paris. Paris.
0: In Paris. Wow. That's a lot of a lot of a lot of people. Yeah,
2: it is. In a yeah, in one city, um 150 years ago. Uh yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh John, maybe you can say something about the Paris Commune, because for me it's like it's one of those go-to uh, references, uh, historical references, I think, when people talk about I don't know how society might be organized in a different way. Can you say something about its relevance then for, well, I guess working class history, but also maybe like ideas about society more generally?
2: Yeah, sure. Um, Firstly, I kind of think I need to give a bit of a disclaimer in that um, this uh, edition of the book was published in December, 2020. And since then, we've been keeping track of a number of kind of corrections um, Mm -hmm. and clarifications for for any future editions. And I think when that entry was written, um, some sources basically referred to the Paris Commune as the first ever attempt uh, to create socialism. Um, But it kind of seems like that's a bit overstated, Mm -hmm. um, that depending on how you define things, you could pick out uh, earlier um, events, so in a future edition, that specific claim will be will be will be gone because it's not really necessary. Because it, you know, it's whether something was the first or not. Its importance can't be overstated. Um, and yeah, in terms of, and I think a really important thing about it is that uh, you know talking about new ways of organizing society, ways of organizing society in the interests of the majority of us, you know, particularly, um, uh, particularly those of us who have to work for a living um uh, the commune is is really important the example uh, of the of the commune is important because they did set up practical um bodies um that organized to reorganize society um from the bottom up um you know to be run by um the workers and the local communities um themselves um and um it's it was highly influential to um revolutionaries radicals and workers all around the world um from and, and uh, it did inspire both uh from a political level it did inspire both anarchists and socialists as well like karl marx um famously you know saw in the commune a, a real way for um for um capitalist society to be overthrown and 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 a new society built, um, by workers and also anarchists saw the same thing. Um, and,
1: um, yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's really good. It's like, for me, it's like one of those, um, um, it almost has like a kind of a mythological status, if I can call it that, maybe that's not the right term, but it's, you know, it's definitely one, you know, when, when people talk about, you know, imagining reorganising society in particular ways, particularly from the bottom up, as you said, like, you know, there are contemporary examples, maybe. Um, I don't know, like the Zapatistas or or maybe even like Northern Syria. Um, but like the Paris Commune seems to be there. It's almost like you can't have a discussion about it um, uh, without that popping up in some way or another. And I guess we, you know, we've just passed the 150th anniversary as well, right? And um, yeah, it doesn't seem to become any less, a well-known over time, I don't know, um, yeah, it's it always just kind of, yeah, strikes me as being a really interesting example. Do you, um,
2: yeah, sorry. Yeah, no, no, and, and I think you're right, yeah, it is a kind of a mythical event, because, you know, you could talk about a myth as something that, that didn't happen, but also things that, things that did happen do become kind of mythical, and I think mm-hmm. the Paris Commune is a kind of example that does continue to kind of echo throughout history you know um in um over well almost 100 years later in in Paris um in 1968 there was Mm -hmm. another um uprising there I mean it was across the whole of France this time um but you know in in Paris kind of vive la la commune long live the commune kind of appeared in walls around Paris again Mm -hmm. um as barricades went up again um in the in the streets um, and, um, you know, it is something that does continue to inspire people um, 150 years later. Yeah.
1: Have you heard about that, Pella? About the uh, the events like in the 1960s in France, like the like student uprisings, for example?
0: Mm, mm, not so much, actually, no.
1: It's like, it's like, right, John, it's like May 68 is, I guess, the, the time that people talk about most. And yeah, like, there's a whole generation in, for example, Norway called the '68ers. Uh, I guess that's the translation, anyway. Have you heard that <laughs> 68 like to kind of like describes this kind of group of people who now are, you know, kind of close to the age of your granddad, I suppose, but like were kind of involved in these, um, uh, these,
2: these, these protests. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's the same in France. That generation is called the '68ers yeah okay yeah the, right. the, yeah the, the 68 are exactly the nine. same although now it's kind of most of them are well a lot of them are in positions of not not most obviously but a lot of prominent people from that age are now in positions of power um having you know either largely or partly abandoned the principles of their of their youth um or kind of made money off them um, in terms of a lot of the kind of art art and cultural type People. Yeah. Do you
1: have any questions? For, any things you're kind of wondering about?
0: Mm, no, I'm not so familiar with the Paris Commune, so ah. so I don't I don't know so much about it. Mm. But yeah, about uh, it was a massive like killing is kind of like uh, that comes up like big comes up like um, heavy or something, it makes like 30,000 people are lots of people to to die in one, in one city.
2: Hmm. Yeah. And, you know, that's the kind of thing that, you know, some people on on the right often say things like socialism doesn't work and you can certainly say, well, uh, you know, historically, maybe you can say that is true but that's because uh, you know in this case it's because capitalists came in and massacred tens of thousands of people um, and if you do that then that will harm the functioning of something you know <laughs> yeah, yeah Um.
1: Maybe, maybe we can talk about this connection to International Women's Day as well because I think that's also really fascinating um, because you know when I think of International Women's Day myself, I always think of 8th of March. Yeah but,
0: yeah,
1: but here we're talking about the 18th of March, right? And we're talking about, you know, in... Well, as the entry says here in the book, like in 1911, which was the 40th anniversary of the Paris Commune, the first International Women's Day was held. And I mm. think for that was the case for a few years, right? Until it changed to March 8th. I mean, I think, like, you know, Denmark, for example, had... Uh, uh um, celebrated or mark marked the the event in nineteen eleven and a few
2: other countries too or a few other places, places in the world. Yeah, so it it um it, yeah the the first one was was held then commemorating um the commune mm-hmm. um in nineteen eleven. Um, but the final date of the 8th of March was chosen because that was the date of a, well, I think it's worth mentioning that, um, like first that a lot of women played a really, um, crucial role in the Paris Commune, um, in, um, in, in both the, um, both in terms of the everyday management of self-management of society and in terms of the fighting, um, against, um, government troops, um, but, um, Uh, So that is probably part of the justification for um, International Women's Day, um, for for, for that day being being chosen as well, the the important role that that women played in that. Um, And um, the final date of March the 8th was chosen because that was a day of a protest by women in Russia um, in 1917, which started... Um, which was the kind of opening salvo in what's known as the February Revolution, mm. and um, but it's called the February Revolution because Russia at the time used a different calendar, um, and when they moved to the to our, our current calendar, the equivalent date is the eighth of March. Mm. Um, so that date, um, the eighth of March, was adopted in nineteen eighteen. Um, right, eighteen. Okay, yeah. And so then, and then it became an annual affair
1: yeah um it's good that you mentioned that about the role of women in the commune as well because often when i think about the commune i think of people like louise Michel. i guess is one of those those people that you know is often referred to when it comes to amongst many others of course but um but i'm wondering if um you know the fact that these two are together in this entry is kind of interesting as well you know the connection or the idea of like interconnected struggles right so like you know um struggle for, um, for for example, um, yeah, women's rights um, and so on, uh, connected to like other struggles like workers' movements, I think is really kind of, mm, sometimes maybe overlooked or that they can be seen as being separate somehow or separated. I don't know if you have any thoughts about that, John, or you, Pauline.
2: Yeah, completely, and, 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 and that's a really good point, And that's something that, that we do try to get across um, in in the book um, because yeah it's it's these these um, struggles that, that took place 100 years ago like that that protest in 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 Russia um, it's important to recognize yeah the this this was a women's protest and it was a women's demonstration but it was working-class women uh, these were poor poor and working-class women um, who did this because you know they were kind of suffering from um, high food prices um, their Many of their husbands um, were off fighting um, in World War One, um, and these so these were problems that affected them because of their class, um, and that was not something that uh, wealthy women uh, in Russia had to had to worry about. Um, so there's a very um, strong connection there, and and also I think it sh- that these uh, it, it's also kind of good example I think of um the anniversary format of the date uh, uh, the anniversary format of the book um, that um, uh, anniversaries their arbitrary designations but they do have importance for people and they do kind of echo through through time with the dates of these historical events being chosen to commemorate, you know to commemorate for, for, for new struggles and new um mm-hmm. A new, so the Paris Commune and then the Russian Revolution, leading to International Women's Day, um, which is an annual thing and part of an important part of women's movements today.
1: Hmm. Yeah, you know about International Women's Day, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Familiar with it?
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's on Mother's Day. (laughs) No, not Mother's Day. That's
1: that's something slightly different. But um,
2: yeah.
1: Okay, maybe we should go on to the next one then.
2: Yep. On March the 18th, 1970, activists from several feminist groups staged a sit-in at the Ladies Home Journal headquarters in New York City. They were not happy with the journal's lack of women's representation at the corporate level. The entire, the entire senior staff was male. or the depiction of women in its advertisements and columns. The sitting ended the same day when the editor agreed to some of their demands and gave the activists their own column in the magazine.
1: Cool. What do you think about that one, Benna? Mm. Yeah. Do you, uh, first of all, I don't know Ladies Home Journal at all. So this is this <laughs> when I read this, this is completely new to me. I don't know if it still exists or not. Um, but... Um, my impression then from this, John, and maybe, 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 you know, I don't know, but um, the, the feminist groups that are mentioned here, uh, were they associated with the, with the, with the magazine itself to start with, or is this from the, yeah, I assume these are not people who are working at the magazine.
2: No, 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 it wasn't. Um, So the the magazine, it doesn't exist now, um, but at the time it was the second uh, highest circulation women's magazine in the US. Mm. um, And it eventually closed down a couple of years ago, um, twenty sixteen, I believe. Oh. Um, so it did. Um, it did. Uh, although they, uh, more recently, they deprioritized the word "ladies." <laughs> so mm-hmm. in the in the in the masthead, that word um, was made very small, um, mm-hmm. and uh, so it, you mostly saw "Home Journal." Mm-hmm. Um, probably un- unsurprising, because quite an old fashioned, uh, quite an old fashioned name. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, the groups that took, that organised the occupation were um, just general feminist groups. Um, so, uh, I guess famous ones would be the National Organisation of Women, and uh, now um, another group called the Red Stockings. Um, mm-hmm. And um, uh, one uh, one of the groups was one called Media Women. Um, so it was including women that worked in and had um, were in, interested in media. Depictions of uh, women, um, but not uh, affiliated with the magazine as such.
1: Mm. Yeah. Okay. Oh, really interesting. I was just going to ask you, Pella uh, Do you know what?
2: Uh, I well, in? at least not to my knowledge. Uh, let's oh. say not to not to my not to my knowledge. Um, okay. Let's. Yeah. I'll, I'll give that clarification.
1: Yeah.
0: Right. And um, what? Sitting. Sitting. Yeah. <laughs> no. No. Uh,
1: yeah, so, so, basically, so basically, these groups have gone into some headquarters, like some offices or something like that, and then they, well, quite literally sit down.
0: Just protesting. It's
1: a form of protest, right? So you sit and you don't move.
0: Like, like, um, um, uh, Gandhi?
1: Like, Gandhi? I, I, I suppose so, yeah, yeah. Um, so they, they would have been sitting there probably, and then by being there in the office, I suspect they kind of disrupted. What was going on in the office at that time this is what 1970 so the the journalists or the writers the editors they would have been there working in that space but if a lot of that space is taken up by other people it kind of affects the way you can work in that in that space right Mm. um so yeah in the in the as you can see in the end then they agreed amongst other things to give them their own column in the magazine uh, John, if if you don't mind me asking, since you had a little bit of information about the magazine, do you know whether this, how long this column continued? I mean, was it something that? Do you know anything about the column itself?
2: I, I think actually uh, um, that um, rather than rather than a column as such, um, it was a one-off special section of the magazine, um, an eight-page um, uh, an eight-page special feature called New Feminism. Mm -hmm. um and um subsequent to the uh protest um they there were columns introduced um related to the demands that the women had made so um uh, a column was introduced um, called the working woman and um, another one called women in the economy um which um, then would kind of would talk about um work you know uh women as workers um and um issues like that um issues of relevance to to working women um but oh, in addition to that the women uh, the magazine did continue to publish um some quite sexist stuff um on an ongoing basis but it was more balanced uh, at this point yeah i don't
1: know what you think about the same part
0: uh, yeah, it's a non-violent way to to demonstrate and and show what they want.
1: And if it, yeah, and I guess to make people make changes as well. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. It's it's an interesting one. I'd, I'd not not heard of this before, so it was uh, yeah a really fascinating one for me too. Hmm. I don't know if there's anything uh, else, John. You want to add about this particular entry? I don't. Are you, Pella?
0: Mm-mm. No. I think. I don't know about me. But... Um, so, yeah, it's
1: okay. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So yeah, thanks, John. Um, what we'd like to just do is just ask you maybe a couple of questions about the working class history project. If uh, that's in all right. General. Yeah. Sure. Go for it. You had a question, Mike? Right,
0: yeah. I I wondered, like in the start, why you even wondered about why you started the started the working class history um, project
2: yeah basically it came from just thinking about um, um that it was in 2014 um so um
0: yeah back then.
2: as has hmm. as as now um social media was a big deal um and um we were thinking well how can we Um, make use of this to try and um, create um, a mass audience for um, radical ideas and ideas that would hopefully kind of inspire people um, to get involved in organizing um, for a better for better conditions for themselves and for a better world and then also about how to organize more effectively and how to Um, you know think about how we can not repeat the mistakes of the past and how we can how we can start winning things Um, and um, we thought that anniversaries um, of things so we were trying to think about what would what would go viral um, and then we thought that anniversaries would be um, a thing that would have a good possibility of going viral so that's what so, so that's what we did. We started looking up, looking up loads of dates and trying to find date that things happens, and thinking that posting them on Facebook uh, at the time, um, because back then Facebook was the the biggest platform, mm-hmm. and um, and 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 it and it grew from there basically. Because it, yeah, I think it turned out that yeah, it was quite successful, and a lot of stuff did go very viral. Um, so. Yeah, that's where we are. So then we kept going and starting more platforms, uh Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, uh, Tumblr. <laughs> and um then a podcast and a book. Um and soon a website um and map as well. So it's just all kind of grown from there.
1: Were there any like uh, pre-existing projects that were like the inspiration for uh for working class history. I mean, in 2014, when you when you started out, was was there something similar going on, or was it? Yeah,
2: not that we were aware of. No. Hmm. Um, so we thought that there was a gap, uh, a gap there. I mean, obviously there were there were social media pages about history. Um, that there are social media's about uh, pages about history. Um, things like the by the history channel and various other kind of corporate um i think um i think after we started we did see we came across um a project called the Zen education project um and they had a facebook page and uh they post about um they post a lot of anniversaries as well um so we did um after we started we did um, come across that um, and Howard Zinn um, that's named after Howard Zinn who wrote uh, a really influential book called A People's History of the United States um, which influenced us as well um, uh, but um, you know the Zinn Education Project Facebook page is it is, is great and they do great work um, but it's very much uh, focused on the United States um, and um, our so it's quite different from our project which is um more global uh in scope yeah that's really interesting um mm. you use tiktok Pella,
1: right i don't use tiktok um, mm-hmm. but you maybe i don't know if you checked out their uh, working class history um, no, maybe I not bet. no
0: yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah I'm, uh, I'm not quite there on tiktok but i heard that you launched oh, yes. quite quite recently uh john um so yeah
2: Yep. yep uh we did and to be honest, it's going surprisingly well because, you know, TikTok's algorithm, you know, TikTok's algorithm is very, it's a very different social media platform from other ones uh, because it's super algorithmically driven much more so than, than the others, which is both a good thing about it and a bad thing about it. It's the thing that means that stuff can go viral on TikTok faster than anything else. Um, and, um, so, uh, you know, and kind of for the algorithm, the ideal length of a video is about eight seconds. You know, if you want to kind of maximize the number of people that will see it and you can't really say much about, um, you know, history um, and complex historical stories in eight seconds. So yeah. our videos are all, um, we're just under a minute long. Um, so for a TikTok video, that's that's long. Um, so we've been quite impressed at how, you um, uh that that you know they might you know people are watching them because you know tiktok it monitors how long people watch a video for and if people watch it for a long time they show it to more people um so um uh, quite a lot of people are uh watching the videos which is uh which is great and it's good for kind of hopefully you know reaching a younger audience because you know people on facebook uh <laughs> you know it's it as 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 a platform it has aged significantly you know which isn't a bad which isn't a bad thing um um and um instagram is then more kind of like millennials and 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 yes yeah, so i like facebook is kind of boomers and gen x is for the most part and then <laughs> instagram's more millennials and um you know tiktok hopefully you know is where we can get some um more and more gen z types and Younger, if the younger generation that has a name yet, I'm not sure they do. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: that's cool. We we'll have to check that out then, Pella. Maybe we can check it out together. Yeah, uh, on our, uh, our TikTok again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one of the things, one of the things, uh, um, uh, John, that uh, Pella and I have talked about, and I think it was especially when we started reading the book for the first time. Right. So this is like, I, I'd. I'd I'd read some of the entries and I was familiar with some of the entries from social media, as you as you mentioned. So before the book came out, I was you know kind of quite familiar with with the kinds of uh, histories that you were uh, talking about. You know, these like, well, if not hidden histories, then certainly histories that haven't been told before. You know, like you mentioned, like history from below in a way, you know, like the people's history, if we're, if we're using like Howard Zinn's uh, approach there. But one of the things that Pella and I talked about, right, quite early on, I don't know if you remember it, um but was this kind of like do you remember like one of the feelings you had as we were reading it Mm. that we talked about like kind of that feeling i think you you described it one of the first times we read it as maybe after about a week or so it was like these entries seem really sad or tragic maybe uh you remember yeah
0: yeah kind of kind of not
1: okay because we talked a little bit about about like um um, you know, I guess you know, in, in, in a lot of these uh, these, sto- these stories, these histories, obviously there's there is a lot of tragedy, there's a lot of death, there's a lot of pain and suffering, right? Um, and there's some hope, but um, I'm, I'm guess'm I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think, as you, you mentioned earlier, John, this uh, the importance maybe of of using history about like thinking about what we can do today, right, and how we might organize today and and learn from history. I mean, do, do you see? Because uh, uh, I mean, how hopeful do you see the book in? Gen- uh, do you see the book as being like a hopeful uh, kind of book, or is it, or is or is it not even the right thing to talk about, like hope or or something? Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, yeah, no, it does, and I I, I think it's um I I think it's a it, it's a hopeful book. I think history is about kind of telling stories, and it's a tricky thing to do because kind of um any story has you know depending on if you tell it you know if you tell it for a long enough time it always ends badly you know every story has a kind of sad ending kind of ultimately um you know and the the parrot because the paris commune if you just told the, the story of the first few weeks of it it's a great story it's an inspiring story and it's an incredible story about you know how these people that were poor and they were suffering and Um, they were oppressed and then but then you know they completely overturned the world and and started recreating a new world you know based on um solidarity and kind of love for everyone rather than um um, oppressing and exploiting people Mm -hmm. um the but you know then the army comes in and massacres thousands of people um so you know you as a telling kind of history, you sort of have to I um, think you you have to get to that point of, of the end where it's you know where it's sad and 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 looking at the stories of kind of really inspiring and courageous resistance um, by indigenous peoples to colonialism and things like that like in the Americas and elsewhere, you know, there are there's a lot of inspiring stories there, but then a lot of them when you follow them on and and badly, uh, say with the Americas being pretty much completely colonized and um, they're being, um, uh, I mean, obviously indigenous peoples and indigenous communities, um, you know, have surpassed absolutely incredible odds and survive and persist to this day. Um, But obviously there was um, a huge amount of genocide. um, And um, uh, so, you know, it's it's bad things have happened, you know, but I think what 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 we hope people get from it is that um, no matter how bad things are, no matter how bleak the circumstances or how um, how difficult they are, people will always resist people will always find ways to resist and um, fight back, and however dark things seem. Um, you know this kind of resistance and and solidarity does break through and ultimately you know can and does make things better. Yeah, great.
0: Yeah, so um, so you've made like a book and you you've like you're in like most of the social medias of the world so what do you think like is next for like for working class history what is the next thing
2: yeah our main um, uh, project at the moment um new project is um building a website um uh, with timelines and maps of all of our historical stories um so that people can browse them not just on social media on the day that they happened, but can browse more casually, find them um, through Google searches and things like that, and also um, can look kind of on your phones um, and on your computer where you where you are um, to see things that have happened near where near where you're standing right now, or if you go to a different city, um, you can you know get out the get, get out the the map bit and see you know if something happened, you know. Uh, so you can interact more with the the physical space around you and things like that so that's our that's our main uh, new thing we're working on right now yeah sounds
1: really cool do you know anything about when that might be launched or is it going to be launched uh, like in in
2: steps or how yeah it'll be it'll be launched in steps so we'll be launching um basically a minimum basic version, you know, the most the most basic functional version will be launching um, hopefully relatively soon. Um, uh, you, you know, we're not, um, we don't, we're not, uh, so I think let's say, um, we, we can safely say it will be this year at some point, um, probably wouldn't want to tie us down to anything more specific than that.
1: Oh, that's great. Um... Yeah, I don't know. Um, do you have anything else, Bella, that you wanted to to ask, uh, John? Um,
0: mm, no.
1: Maybe we could ask you, John, if you want to say anything about the Working Class History Project. Um, I don't know how people can get in touch or, or I don't know, check out the project itself or any kind of like
0: to,
1: words you'd like to finish off. What people, yeah,
0: how to get the yeah.
1: book. Or How to get the book, yeah, yeah why not, yeah. <laughs>
2: Well, yeah, well, well, people can find out more um, about our project and you can subscribe to our podcast and um, get hold of our book or any of our other books that we stock at workingclasshistory.com on our website. And if you want to um, get our anniversaries in your feed, just uh, find us on whatever your favorite social media platform is to search for Working Class History. Thanks very much for, for having me.
1: Great. Yeah. Thank you for joining us, uh, John. I really yeah, enjoyed it. It's uh, been a
0: talking. good time.
2: Yeah. Hmm. Really nice.
0: Good yeah. Thing.
2: yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Really nice meeting you both. Have a good rest of your day. Yeah.
1: You too. Thank you.
2: Bye-bye. Bye
0: bye. Bye.